from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for listening to the G and Ursula Show. Ursula is back. Good morning, Ursula. Good morning, G. I am so happy to be back. And again, I want to just say thank you to everyone who has been so supportive of me. Um, during my mom's final weeks of life, I read to her all the messages that all of our listeners sent and uh, colleagues sent, and uh, they were a great source of comfort. So I cannot thank you enough. I feel very blessed in that way that, mm-hmm. that um, yeah, I went through this very publicly in a way that I, I shared with everybody, but I also wanted to say uh, your words of encouragement were such a blessing to me. Uh, but I'm happy to be back, and I have no intention of going anywhere for a while. So um, thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Just a reminder that we love it when you... Um, Interact with us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. The number is 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. And with all that, we are going to get going. What's new at 10? So the question I have for all of you is, should you be able to decide how you want to die? And I asked that because of what I went through. Now, for any of you who are not familiar of, with the reason why I was gone for a month, which is the longest I've been gone uh, since maternity leave over 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, is that my mom ended up having a brain tumor. Uh, we only found out after she broke ribs in the fall. And I got a call here on December 5th, the night of December 5th, this Philippines is 16 hours ahead. So I got a call on December 5th here, and by December 8th, I was in the Philippines with my mom at her hospital. Um, and um, so she now had two broken ribs, I mean, and fully broken ribs, Very, and that's very, very painful at the age of 87. Now, for those of you who don't know, my mom, when I say 87, you could think, oh, she lived a long life. I mean, she's really blessed to have lived that long. But you've seen my mom. She did not look 87. No, she did not. Yeah. So she looked fabulous. She mm-hmm. was just super active. And so this was just a shock. And then to find out, well, wait a minute, they, they believe it's glioblastoma, which is an aggressive uh, form of brain cancer. But they said to, to confirm that we would actually have to open up her skull and of course at 87 you're not going to do that with all these other things that happen uh in any case while i was at the hospital with her and and she wasn't able to eat a whole lot you know she had a lot going on and she she was in so much pain so they had to give her pain medications but while she was in the hospital while i was with her and i finally got something across the street there is a, a place that had fried chicken that that she actually loved and so my cousin made pancit which is a, a mm-hmm. traditional Filipino dish yep. and we were giving my mom pancit and this chicken and my mom was enjoying it and in the middle gee I'm not even kidding in the middle of her taking a bite of chicken she had a stroke in front of me and I'm looking at her and half her face is going you know, like Sagging, suddenly her speech is slurred, and I, I I'm, I'm sitting her across from her in, on, in her bed in the hospital bed, and I'm sticking my finger in her mouth and pulling the chicken out, right. saying, "Mom, you're having a stroke," and she's like, "No," and she's trying to hang on to the chicken as I'm pulling it out of her mouth. Okay, this is a detail I haven't even shared with too many people, and my mom. So on top of everything else, on top of the broken ribs, glioblastoma. Now she has a stroke. 
Okay. And it was that stroke that uh, made it basically impossible for her to eat. So to add insult to injury, the, the you know, she already had a, a terminal brain cancer, they believed, uh, broken ribs, and then now this stroke that, you know, paralyzed part of her face um, and more importantly, made it so that she couldn't really drink or eat on her own. Mm-hmm. So where this whole, how do you want to die or how, what is it that you want to happen when you have something catastrophic like that? Yeah. I am so thankful that my mom was able to dictate her care. Tell us why. Because had she not told us, so essentially in the Philippines, Palliative care and hospice care are relatively new or they're just they're just not. There was one palliative care doctor in the entire region of where my mom lives, if, if you can imagine that. So palliative care is basically you're, you're not doing any more interventions. You're basically doing um, comfort care. You can change and go back to to full care, but it's kind of the step before hospice care, which hospice care is you're just keeping someone comfortable knowing that they're going to die soon. Right. Um, and uh, in my mom's case, they wanted to they, they wanted to and in fact did put a gastric tube through her nose to feed her because. Uh, what also happened was um, her the IV was not able to um, they couldn't find veins anymore that weren't bursting. So the IV became uh, uh, impossible, too. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have no IV, which is for the, the fluids and some medications, if you have no IV and she had a bunch of different medications that she had to take, if you have no IV, no ability to to. Eat, you're okay. talking about a short lifespan, right. right? Right. So they were really pushing for the gastric tube to go through her nose and feed her through her nose to sustain life. To sustain life. Okay. And she just kept saying, "No, I don't want that. I don't want it." Well, they, the doctors did finally convince her to, and it's because it's painful to go through. I mean, for some people, and for her, it was just painful, or, her, you know. So, so, um, and she just didn't want that. She said, "If I'm going to live, I want to be able to live." Um, eating naturally. Mm-hmm. So, and then but we, we kept trying to, to give her food and she would essentially choke on it because you ha- after a stroke, if you have a big enough stroke, you have to learn how to swallow again. Mm. So essentially she dictated her final days and it, 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 she basically lasted two weeks after she said, she she pulled the the so they they did the um, nasal intervention mm-hmm. uh, and then after a while she said I just don't want this anymore and she pulled it out herself mm-hmm. she said and don't put it back in and so and, and the doctors kept saying are you sure are you sure because it's gonna you know you're not gonna be able to eat and we want to feed you and we want to feed you so she was so, conscious enough to make oh, her decisions yes oh, this is what was so difficult is that she had all her mental fortitude she she was all there mentally even after the stroke really but uh so we ended up bringing her back and 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 we had to fight essentially to do hospice they wanted to keep her in the hospital she said i don't want to be in the hospital you want to go home i want to go home so we fought to get her home and then it was me and a niece that i basically just met who, thank God, had gone to caregiver school in the Philippines 
And so she and I, my, my sister was there for uh, nine or 10 days. But after my sister left, it was just the us, us two. And, uh, you know, my, my cousin would come over and help uh, with food and, and any food that my mom would say she wanted, my cousin would make. But then my mom could only take like one bite and she'd be choking. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the end, it was my, my niece and myself trying to figure out hospice care. With the help of my mom, we, we were able to call the, the palliative care doctor for some advice, but that was not easy. So it was us basically with our morphine injections and the patch, mm-hmm. um, the which is a fentanyl patch, actually, which helps with the, with the pain. It helps because, I mean, you're talking about broken ribs now, not being able to eat. I mean, the the pain that my mom was in was excruciating mm-hmm. and to have to deal with that. So we were, we felt like we were constantly trying to chase her pain. Uh, but it made me just think about how we have the death with dignity law here mm-hmm. in, in the state of Washington. And Washington is one of only 10 states with a death with dignity law. And I am so thankful for that. I, 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 I didn't have that opportunity, but if given the opportunity, I know for a fact that I don't want to extend my life just to extend my life if there is zero quality of life. And that is something that my mom was able to say. My mom was able to make that very clear to the doctors who were pushing against it. So my question real quick, if your mom wasn't able to communicate that. And let's just say that she was you know, unconscious and what is it able to make out what the doctors were saying? You're saying that your word or anything would not have. I would have, I would have had a, a fight. fight. Okay. I would have, they would have questioned me and they would have questioned whether I had some ulterior motive to, to uh, hasten my mom's death right. to, to speed it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, my question to all of you, I guess, listening right now, too, would be, uh, should you be able to decide how you want to die? And the other question is, if something catastrophic were to happen to someone you love right now, would you know what their wishes are? You asked that question this morning, Ursula, and I think Chef was the one that answered it right away. And he said no. And then I was just sitting back thinking. And I think I finally said no as well. I don't know what it is. I don't know. And what I mean by that is, is I don't know why. I do. Sh- it should be easy for us to talk about it. But I don't, man, it just ain't easy. It's, the, it's literally like it's a conversation that I know we should have. Yes. But it's a conversation that, man, I just don't want to have. And it, it's because you have to confront your own mortality or a mortality of a loved one that you don't even want to contemplate that that could happen. My dad did not want to talk about death. He was like, you're 92, Pops. I mean, we need to talk about what it is that, that you want so I, I, can, I can make sure that yeah. your wishes are granted, yeah. that we do it the right way. And then my dad ended up having a massive stroke, and I had to just... My mom and I made the decision based on what we knew and, and, and the facts that we knew and with the help of the doctors. Easier here if this were, if that had been in the Philippines, again, it's only because my mom had made it very clear and was able to actually kind of 
fight against the doctors who they would have just sustained her forever. I mean, she, the, the brain cancer was going to kill her. Right. Uh, she would have you know, been confined to a bed right. and uh, would have needed help with feeding, with, you know, changing her. her I mean, it's essentially going to the bathroom. I mean, you're, you're relying on everybody for everything. And that's just right. not how she wanted to live. Ursula, my, my, I mean, my heart breaks for you and what you've gone through in 2023 oh, and then towards sucks. the end with, with the passing of your mother. But I'll tell you something that just, I can still, I can still see you sitting here saying this when you were talking about your mother going over to the Philippines and we're talking about how financially it is better because of fixed income. Yes. I remember you sat there and you said, the one thing that worries me is medical care. Yes. You li- you sat right there yes. and said exactly yes. that. Yes. And it came to fruition. Why? Because in the Philippines, get this, hmm. we had to pay out of pocket also for everything. My mom, as it turned out, was not covered. We thought she was covered for emergencies, but she was not covered. We had to pay. Before you get an MRI, you have to pay cash to the hospital. Wow. They make you go to the cashier's office. If you have cancer, for a lot of Filipinos, that is your that is automatic bankruptcy because you're paying up front before they do the service. I mean, so as bad as you might think our health care is here, uh, there are you know other countries that have much bigger issues. But I guess I wanted to share this um, again, though, because these are conversations that need to happen. And so often they don't. Mm. And. You can use me as an excuse. You can say, I heard Ursula talking about it on the radio today. You, you are going to save yourself so much grief and your family so much grief if you have that conversation and you know, I mean, as morbid as it may be, that you know what it is that they want. Mm. I mean, the other thing that, that I just want to say is um, I'm so thankful that I work for a company that is the size that it is that I've worked here this long and that this state has um, paid family leave because that's another thing that that could have what I had to do. And, and I felt a responsibility to be with my mom in her in her final weeks, for sure. Part of the reason is because I was the one who made it possible for her to go to the Philippines mm-hmm. and my sisters weren't too hot on the idea, but I was like, well, we don't have a better option. It's what she really wants to do. And she never regretted it, but I kind of felt responsible. Like, um, you know, it was, it was something that I supported and now we've got this dilemma. Um, but thank God I had a company that was willing to let me, you know, be there with her in these final moments and then still not have to worry about my job, right. which, I mean, again, right now, Washington is one of only 13 states that has paid family medical leave for eligible employees. Mm. You know, Ursula, this discussion that we just had, if I were probably listening to the show, I would even have a hard time even listening. That's how sometimes, that's how afraid I am. no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about it. And so I think that what you have just done here in the 10 o'clock hour, I think was huge. I think it is so important. Even if it wasn't maybe, you know, one of those where, oh, this is uncomfortable. This is hard to live. 
but it's needed. And so I think that what you just did for so many of our listeners is you provided a platform for people to be able to hear and maybe answer that question. You don't have to and go ahead. You, con- you can blame me. You can just say, hey, yeah. you know, I heard someone bring it up and it's a really important question and because I want to make sure I do right by you. And I want to make sure that I live. I mean, I, I that you can live out your last days the way you want. Sure. What can I do? Well, thank you for sharing, Ursula, your very personal story. Well, thank you for allowing me to, because I feel like I'm still kind of downloading everything. I, I have kept, there's so many things that happen in the last couple of weeks that um, it's going to take a while. I, I probably need to go to therapy. It's going to take a while well, to I, process. But I want to, I want to I tell you that over, over, you know, whenever you want to talk, Ursula, we talk. It's the G and Ursula show. You know what I mean? Thank you. So people people want to hear what's going on with you. They're asking how you're doing. They're wondering when you're coming back. So you're coming back and you're telling us what you have been going through. I can guarantee you listeners want to hear this. Well, again, and I I cannot thank you enough for the support that you've given. I mean, every single one of your messages was read. I'm lucky. I'm blessed. We're sorry for your loss. Our condolences to you and your family, and we're glad you're back and with us. Thank you. Coming up next, the Genosha Show. Show. Text us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. So a lot has happened since I was gone and one of them was that incident involving the Boeing plane and I had a question for both you guys. It was like, what is your level of confidence in Boeing planes these days? And maybe we can start there and then and then has any of this changed your way of thinking when it comes? Because you fly a lot, right? I don't. No, I don't know. I don't know anything different, right? And I think the next time I fly will be here in February, and when I do, I have just never looked on there and said, "Okay, well, I'm going to book this flight with this airline. Um, what plane am I going to be yeah. uh, flying on?" Yeah. And as a matter of fact, so far since this has happened. Have we heard about there has been, and we, maybe we don't know, but has there been a decrease in people flying? I don't think there's a decrease in people flying, but I think it's like, do the airlines still buy, or do the airlines themselves have confidence in Boeing planes, and will they still keep ordering up the, at the pace that they were? And that, you know, only time will tell. Mm-hmm. But uh, this morning, the Seattle Times published an op-ed written by a father whose two sons died in the Ethiopian Airways 737 MAX crash in 2019. His name is Ike Riffle, and he says, since those two MAX crashes that killed 346 passengers and crew members, 
he claims that not much has changed at Boeing. And he says Boeing's continuing litany of safety failures and incidents are unacceptable. Uh, quoting him here, he says, just two weeks ago, Boeing notified the FAA of a fault in the 737 MAX's anti-icing system that can cause parts of the aircraft to overheat and break off, potentially sending debris into the engine or fuselage. At present, there's no fix for this anti-icing issue. Instead, pilots have been instructed to turn off the anti-icing system after five minutes. Of course, there's also been other safety concerns. In April, Boeing found that brackets that joined the aircraft's tail and fuselage were being installed incorrectly. Then in August, it was announced that holes in the 737 MAX uh, bulkheads were improperly drilled. That could affect cabin pressure. And then last month, Boeing asked airlines to inspect all 1,300 737 MAX airplanes for loose rudder bolts after finding missing bolts in some aircraft. Mm-hmm. I will say that the f- this, this year was the first time that I actually paid attention to what plane. It didn't change. Oh. It didn't alter anything. I haven't. I don't go, you know, calling around, oh, which, what kind of jet am I going to be on? I, I don't do that. But I was on an Airbus plane, and it, the thought crossed my mind that there was a time when I would be just Boeing, 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 source of pride, Boeing, Boeing, you know. And Air, Airbus, in my mind, was kind of the, the, the competitor, and I would rather be on a Boeing. Mm-hmm. And this time around, I, I have to be honest, I was like... I like this Airbus. Right. I can't remember what model it was, but it was a pretty cool. It was it was really new too, on top of everything else. So I was like, I noticed. Ursula, while I will say this, you're starting to notice, and you've noticed. And while I sit here and tell you that no, it is not going to slow down my travel. However, I do believe that more and more people are now talking about this more than before. Right. Like we we look Boeing over the last year and a half. They've had some problems. You, you know what I mean? They've had some real. No, not that last year and a half. Actually, last it's five years, years yeah. last five years. I think now more than ever, it is really being talked about. And I think it is being talked about amongst those that are still currently at Boeing. Like this is a real issue. Right. And this is more important than, you know, the, the, the shares of stock and where the ups and downs of, of that and how that goes and not, and not protecting the investors and not protecting uh, corporate, the top and everything. This is a real problem that I don't know what the next 10 to 20 years will look like for this company because people are actually talking now. Well, I mean, one of the things is Boeing recognizes that they have, at the very least, a a PR problem. So one of the things, I'm just looking at a press release right now that they said that they have hired Admiral Kirkland Donald, uh, a retired Navy person, as special advisor to Boeing president and CEO Dave Calhoun. I, I think the CEO himself has said, we've just not done a great job with oversight. And then the Seattle Times, uh, they've got a great reporter who does a lot of the Boeing stories. And, and they talked about how over the last couple of years, there was such a push to to lower the prices, including the, the company that was involved with this, uh, the door that blew out at 16,000 feet. Yeah. I think it's Spirit Aerosystems, I want to say. Yeah. Um, in any case, that there's been such a pressure for, you know, Boeing to to make shareholders happy and bring down the prices and and maybe it you know 
cut too many corners. Right. And now we're seeing some of the effects of that. Um, but I know that when I, I asked this question in an email to both of you, both of you had a similar answer, and Chef, yeah, you well, had the same the, answer. The too. problem is we don't have a choice. I was to say, there's not much choice. We don't have a choice, right? Like if this Kroger uh, Albertsons merger goes through, I might like not. I might not like shopping at Kroger or Albertsons, but I won't like realistically have a choice. And there are really only two airplanes that we fly on, and that's Boeing and Airbus. What I find is really concerning is if we have these problems popping up in the seven three seven Max over and over and over again, and this is a new aircraft. These these are just going into service in fleets. If you have a plug door blowout on a plane that was delivered to the company in November, right? what is this fleet going to look like 10, 20 years from now? And, and I don't think we're going to know the extent of the problems, but we just all have to roll the dice and say, well, I hope it's, I hope it's not my plane. And it's important to point out, I guess, that statistically, this is an infinitesimal amount of planes that have had issues yes. compared with the entire Boeing fleet that's operating thousands of hours every single day all around the world. So that's important to keep in mind. It is. I mean, obviously, it's still the by far the safest form of travel, but you cannot ignore. I mean, Boeing cannot afford to ignore because maybe more airlines will be choosing Airbuses. I mean, and, and it, there, I remember... Uh, in my early days of reporting where every year you would you would do the okay the air show and Airbus had this many orders and Boeing had this many orders and there was just a great sense of pride when it came to Boeing beating Airbus right but i mean it it's it's pr has certainly taken a hit i want to i don't know if you know this but i have no experience building planes Okay, I just want to be clear. <laughs> no, I, no. Well, I, let me make it no, clear. I, just, too. No, I have no experience either. None, none at all. So I can't tell you anything about the plane. And I t- again, I told you all as far as my worry level and everything. Like Chef said, I, I I don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. So it's not like I'm making decisions come February. Hey, what type of plane am I going to be on? But again, the concern is is I got a couple people close to me um, that I know that work for Boeing. And they're telling me, like some of the inter- internally. Yeah. He's like, man, it's rough right now. And so, is it is it rough because the is it a PR thing? Meaning, meaning, is that what's the most important thing, or is it a quality oh, control? Oh, quality thing? control you, thing is you know a what big, mean? Like, yeah, is the much bigger. It's forget the PR. Th- that's what I'm saying. So going yeah. forward, the people are going to be like, look, we don't care what you say. We want to see results. We don't want to see what we have seen. Over the last five years and what's been going on, especially these new planes were just rolled out in November and you have these issues. So the people are like, yo, we need different going forward. You had that look in your face. (laughs) (laughs) We do. (laughs) Coming up in scenarios. Now, this scenario is interesting. Has there ever been a time that you looked online and you saw a GoFundMe and you said to yourself, self, I don't know about that. Well, that's what this scenario is about. Next. Generation.
Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. I'm wondering if I should go to Ursula first on Scenarios. (laughs) I'm so angry at my neighbor right now. He has... By the way, this feels like they might live next door to me. Anyway, he has the charm of a used car salesman and the char- and the charisma of a game show host. <laughs> he always got his fresh, sparkling white smile, and he's got an answer for everything. And by everything, I mean everything. He could convince you that the sky was green if he tried hard enough. Now, I've always believed in minding my own business, but my friend sent this link to me with a GoFundMe campaign. There he is, all tears and heartbreak, saying that he's been a victim of racism at his job and claiming he was fired. Now, don't get me wrong. If that were true, my heart would go out to him. But every day, I see this dude and his wife in their new top-of-the-line Tesla. Their kids are decked out in brand-new clothes, and they all have the latest iPhone. And he's crying poverty? Check this out. His GoFundMe is already over $100,000, and he still got his hand out. Now, I'm in a tough spot here, guys. I feel like he's scamming people, giving their hard-earned money to him to help him out. Should I say something, or should I stay out of it? Not wanting to stir the pot and potentially cause a massive neighborhood scandal. I need your advice. 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Ursula, you're up the bat first. Normally, I would say keep your nose out of it. Oh, okay. Come, Ursula, coming back spicy. <laughs> and I'm debating whether I would say, because how would you go about it? I, I, I think you need to do actual research before you jump to any conclusions. Some people can present really well. And maybe there really is something going on. But if you know that there's a scam happening, you're ignoring it. Okay. You, you, you keep your nose out of it. Yes, I do. I, I know you. Yes, I do. Yes. Yes, I do. So um, I'm just trying to think of how you would raise. I, I, I would not contribute to it. I would not contribute to the GoFundMe, mm-hmm. but for you to tell other people not to, right. how would you do that? However, so I'd say stay out of it. Stay out of it. Okay. See, uh, what you doing, Chef? How could you? How could you not bring it up, like to a neighbor? Like, hey, wait a minute. You, you know, Brian said he got fired for racism, and now he's raising a hundred thousand dollars because he got fired. But they got brand new Teslas. Does that seem a little weird to you? Like most people, how could you not say that to people? That would be infuriating to watch your neighbor get a hundred grand. You cannot. The thing is, you cannot evaluate the merits of his story. And if true, he needs to take that up with an employment attorney, not with his neighbors on a GoFundMe account. Okay. Uh, And this is assuming this dude is incapable of getting any possible work in the future. No freaking way. No way. So you would, you would, you would gossip about it with the neighbor. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Most of us, if we have uh, bills to pay and we have a lot of assets, we leverage those assets. We sell those assets in order to pay our bills. We don't hold our hands out to our neighbors and say, give me some money. See, the, the best thing, though, is just to not 
contribute to the GoFundMe. I don't. I am very choosy. I like to donate to GoFundMe's, but I like to do my research. Yes, too. You, yes, you do. Now wait, we we ain't gonna let Chef out of this, cause sure. Chef, you just said that to the friend. How are you gonna address exactly. the neighbor? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, I he's, think it's he's very, hoping it's like telephone. Very some it, easy, some simple leading questions. So you you got fired for racism. Can you explain the story to me? Sure. Okay. I have questions about the GoFundMe. Like, are you not are you not able to get another job in your industry? Have you been blacklisted entirely? Um, I've noticed that you're raising a hundred thousand dollars, but you have two hundred thousand dollars worth of cars in your driveway. Do you really need the money? You 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 are gonna okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I understand the money, but you're going to start bringing up the cars? Look, pretend me is really good <laughs> at conflict. <laughs> that sounded really good, Chef, but I don't know. Uh, okay, I, I, before I get to you, Brother Nick, I want to ask, I love being curious, how are you guys all the time? When you see these GoFundMe sometimes, are there ever times that you stare at it with your good eye? Oh no! I, you know I, what I'm I, I give some of them the stink eye for sure. I, I know oh, yeah. I do. I don't say nothing. I sit back. No, there are some people who abuse the GoFundMe's, and, oh, and it's it's man. too obvious. It's really too obvious. Man. Yeah. All right, brother Nick, uh, chime in, bro. Well, I'm not buying this door-to-door charity tactic for one second. To go on as low as to victimize his struggle of poverty while it seems like he's living his best life buying everything it seems he sees in sight. He sold it a little less and laid off the drama. Maybe I'd buy it, but obviously it seems like he suckered a few people into his story to pay for his goods. It's either that or he's lying away in some deep pocket loans, which I'd feel real sorry for that. That's, he's going really down the windy path, it seems. I, I want to keep going with this story, but there's a part of me that says, G, just shut up. Don't do it, G. Just stay out of it. Just go to the next segment. But I just want to personally tell you sometimes, Ursula, this is what I go through sometimes when I look at the GoFundMes. You know what I mean? I see, man. Balling, 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 cash, restaurant, dealing, dealing, all these kind of stuff. And I'd be thinking like, man, you know, it's like $19.99 or $20 for some insurance. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you see all these things and, you know, and it began to go for me. I, I get it. There's sometimes when there's needs help and everything like that. <laughs> but then sometimes you're just making sure, like when you, when you flash to people, when you flash, 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 flash. Yeah. Those same people are just being like, I just hope you got like thirty something dollars to set aside a month for that insurance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that if you're an insurance agent or some right now, I know you guys know exactly better what I'm talking about. That it's a real thing, y'all. I, I'm trying to decipher this real story that's kind of embedded in what you're just telling me. No, 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 me? Real stories? No, not a real story. Hypothetically, <laughs> kind of like chefs pretend <laughs> chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That Good at difficult conversations on the radio. <laughs> well, that was Ursula's first uh, scenario. I didn't back- do very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's back. All right, but uh, Ursula, in agree to disagree, you said something earlier that's got some folks yes. fired up. They're mad at me. They're mad. <laughs> no, I'm trying, I keep trying to explain myself. Okay. I think we need just to bring it back and okay. agree to disagree. So we'll bring it back and yeah. agree to disagree. Ursula's come back and she's already made some people mad. We'll explain specifically exactly what that is next. Cheers, Ursula.